Welcome to the Handyman Pros Radio Show, home improvement and maintenance tips from the pros. This episode, Landlording a Millennial Way. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Handyman Pros Radio Show, where our goal is to help you save time, money, and aggravation. This edition's entitled, Landlording a Millennial Way. To help me explain, I'm here with my ever-cheerful co-host and old buddy, John. John, what's been going on this week? Well, hey, Larry. How are you doing? Um, well, as you know, this week, uh, it has been really raining out uh, here, and uh, the weather has really been nasty. So I actually got shut out of a couple of jobs and had to postpone them to, uh, to next week. So really, nothing <laughs> this week. So. Nothing's been going on. Well, actually, it's given us a chance to work on the podcast. Yes, it we is. did an interview with a young man who we have a lot of respect for. He really gave us a great perspective on doing some rental properties and stuff like that. And folks, here it is. Hey, Larry. Today we have Joel Larsgaard on from HowToMoney.com. Where did we uh, meet? Uh, where did we meet, Joel? Well... I don't know if our listeners know, but I'm involved in the financial independence community. And by the way, if you want to know more about that, send me an email at questions at handymanprosradioshow.com. But I first heard about Joel from a Choose FI podcast. It's actually episode 135. Joel's a young, multi-talented guy who runs a podcast, works full-time for a major broadcasting uh, organization here in Atlanta. I believe they're syndicated. He'll talk more about that. Um, He's got rental properties, and he's actually done pressure washing as well. So we wanted to talk a little bit about rental properties and ownership, maintenance, and all that good stuff, what we normally talk about. And with that, let's welcome Joel to the show. Hey, Joel. Hey, hey. guys. Thanks for having me. Joel, it's a pleasure to, uh, to have you on the show. And um, can, you, uh, can you fill us uh, in on your background a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So I've been in the money media space for about 13 years now. And it's funny that I'm on a uh, a fix it show because I really more than anything I like to help people fix their money issues. There, there's uh, so many people walking around with they don't they don't have 400 bucks for uh, an emergency expense that might arise. And so more than anything, you know, with with my podcast, with my day job, what what, what we do on the radio, uh, my my friend and mentor Clark Howard, uh, what we do is we, we like we help people every day with their money issues, uh, how to save more, invest better. Um, and rental properties and stuff like that is, is definitely a part of it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good to be here with you guys today. Well, thanks. And, and so one of those things in the fire community is when we talk about financial independence, and Clark talks about this a lot too, is if you're maintaining your home, there's a lot of things you can do DIY. There's a lot of ways to save money. There's some, some tips and tricks. And so that's what we wanted to kind of discuss because you've actually got, you've got how many properties do you have? So I've got five doors currently. Okay, so you've got you've got five rental properties. That's that's pretty good size. Um, obviously, lots of uh, maintenance issues. So, let me ask you a question: do you Do you have a process for maintenance, and like, what do you do to maintain your properties on a regular basis? Yeah, so you know, the main thing that I do is I create a day every three months where I kind of dedicate that to visiting each property, uh, and so I, I do my own pest control. I you know, change the filters um, and it gives me a chance to to kind of make sure that everything's looking OK and the tenants see my face. And I think sometimes when the tenants see your face, mm-hmm. they treat the property better. Uh, I, I used to do more of like the lawn mowing as well myself. I, I've just with three kids now, it's tougher to to make that happen on a consistent basis. And so I've been hiring that out more frequently. But I am a fan uh, for 
for most people at least, I think, and at least at the beginning of owning rental properties, the more you can personally be involved and be there, uh, the more you're going to learn, the more questions you're going to know at least to ask a potential company that you do want to help you uh, with the property, with the management of it. Um, so, yeah, I think in the beginning, you definitely need to be involved. And, and for me, I've just enjoyed staying involved, uh, the things that, that I learned and, uh, and, and also the way that I feel like, you know, it's my property. Nobody's going to care for it more than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I like being there every three months and taking care of those minor things. And it also kind of tips me off to kind of other things that, that might be kind of coming up in the near future that need to be fixed. Uh, Joel, are you so so when you when you that that comment there? Do you so do you look around and say some of the bigger assets that are in the in your homes and things like that that you're you're starting to look at the age and you're budgeting for to to fix or you know to, how how does that work? Well, definitely budgeting for. Uh, so I will say that's that's one thing that you need to do as a landlord is you need to be funneling money aside every single month and you know a good rule of thumb is 1% of the purchase price of the house uh, every year is what you're going to spend in maintenance. So if you have a $250,000 house, which if you have a rental property, hopefully it's not that expensive. Hopefully you have a $120,000 house. Let's say it's 120. You're going to want to be saving at least $1,200 aside for future emergency expenses or for future expenses and and maintenance expenses on that home. Uh, And then also you kind of need to take into consideration your specific property because if you're dealing with an older property, which I am in my part of town, I've got you know homes that were built in the 1920s and 1940s, and so there are just more things that come up. Uh, there there are maintenance issues that there are things that just were never done uh, to some of these homes or shoddy workmanship when uh, when certain things were renovated. And so for me, I kind of err on the side of caution, and I put even more money aside than just kind of that that uh, 1% of the purchase price rule. Um, but yeah, so it's important to see your, like if you buy this house and you know that the roof's 15 years old and you know it's gonna cost $7,000 to repair that roof. Well, in all likelihood, you're gonna be replacing it in the next three to five years. And so you wanna be you know, setting aside that money consistently and adding that extra into it. So yeah, the budgeting is definitely a, a crucial part of being a good landlord and making sure you keep your, your home maintained. So I have a question for you. Do you do this same process on your personal residence or, or do you differentiate between the two? Yeah, no, it's, it's very, very similar for the personal residence because again, I, you know, pest control needs to be done at my house and the filters need to be changed at my house. And, you know, I guess I, I'm just a little more aware of what's going on in the interior of my home because I'm in it every single day versus, you know, every three months. Um, but yeah, no, pretty similar process. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Because I, I mean, part of it is, is people, I think sometimes in the rental business, they think, oh, it's totally different. You know, I, I don't do that at my house. And it's, to me, it's like, you should be doing it at no matter what property you own. So you've got some older houses. So you have like things like lath and plaster, all kinds of really fun old stuff, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And my, my the home, uh, <laughs> my personal home, lots of plaster. And so yeah, at some point I'm going to need to do some plaster repair. I've got these old windows which are beautiful, but also a huge pain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some of them, yep. which are completely not working, painted shut, or or just you know like the, the the rope and pulley system is broken, and so there's that kind of stuff too. You have to decide like not everything needs to be fixed. You know, some of these windows don't need to open, but at some point, that's on my radar of, it, of things I would like to get fixed at some point. Yeah. So you've so have you done a rehab, or have you done? You, do you have anything like? Have you done a complete rehab yet, or not? So I've never done a complete gut job, just because of you know, the amount of things on my plate, I, I've kind of erred towards uh, 
buying properties that need some work, but not a complete gut job. So I've done, you know, a complete bathroom remodel and I've you know had a roof put on a house and I've, you know, replaced the HVAC system and stuff like that. But I've, I've tried to stay away from, you know, buying the complete beater home that needs just me there every single day <laughs> because um, that's just that's just too much for me to take on at this point. Although that is typically where you, you're able to get the, the best bang for your buck. Right, right. In the rental on the rental side. Yeah. So uh, just as kind of a tie in. So you teach people how to save money every single day. And these are all things that are part of like what is basically in the FI community, we consider it to be our most expensive uh, expense really is is home, right, is is your living arrangements. And how much now do you do this work yourself? Is that what you're doing? I mean, it sounds like you are. Well, I mean, it depends on on what it is for sure. When it's a new roof, no way. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm definitely not doing that. I understand that. that. And yeah, I, and we I, get that. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I, I challenge myself to do to do as much as I can. Um, and then, and again, you know, when I had one kid and more time, more free time, I was you know going on YouTube and I was figuring out you know how to replace a capacitor on an air conditioner or a thermistor on um, on my hot water heater. And there's just all sorts of things I was willing to spend more time learning about and figuring out. Um, and it's not that I don't do any of that these days, but there, there's less and less of that just because there's less time. Uh, the more properties you get, like I want to self-manage. Uh, I'm not willing to farm that out, but I, I am willing to hire out more projects like as I get older and, and my portfolio builds. Um, but yeah, I think it's really important, especially in the beginning, that you'd be willing to at least paint the walls and at least learn a couple of things. I think it's going to help you in the long run as a landlord. It's going to help you when you're dealing with, you know, with contractors or with, you know, repair people that, uh, that bring up an issue that's that. And, and if you can vet it because you know, you know what's going on with your home and you've learned a little bit along the way about the things that can go wrong with a home. So I think it is important that people be invested to the point that they are doing research and they have taken on you know, some of these repair projects themselves. I think anybody, I, I, I'm reticent to tell anyone to get into rental real estate if they aren't even willing to pick up a paintbrush. I mean, I think that's that's when you should you should probably stick to just investing in the stock market or, or investing in other ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because uh, I, I, you know, I was going to say that there's a you know, since maintenance is the one of the largest expenses, if not the largest expense, um, you know, to cut down on the the amount of that expense, you you've got to do things yourself. Yeah, you definitely do. And you have to be, you, especially, like I said, in the beginning, it's so important. You got to get your hands dirty. You got to get in there. And that's why too, I love one of my favorite ways to tell people to get into rental real estate is to buy an inexpensive home, live in it for a couple of years and fix it up while you're living in it and then rent it out. And I think that's such a good way to get to know the home, to get to know its quirks, to get to know the, the issues that, that might arise. Uh, and, and also too, at the same time, like when you're living in it, it's just easier to work on it. And so uh, you're also, you know, another another perk is you're going to get, you know, a lower interest rate because you bought the home um, as a primary residence. And so I think that's one good route for people to go to get to know their home and to kind of learn slowly, become a homeowner and live in it and then and, and, and then rent it out. 
That's great advice. Yeah. That's great advice. And we see that, you know, John and I both work as professional handymen, so we see a lot of this all the time. And we actually, and I don't know what John thinks, but I know in my case, I actually like when I talk to a client, potential client, that actually understands some of the process because it just makes it easier. Everybody gets on the same page faster. And so I think that's great advice that you've got to be able to do some things. You don't have to do all things. And time becomes the issue. We we fully get that, Um, especially with three kids. Wow, John and I, we're all out of the kid business at this point. You know, I was going to say along with that, Larry, is that uh, you're ab- you're absolutely right. And people that that kind of know what what's going on, uh, understand it. It takes it takes time to do everything, really. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't magically just happen. And Joel, is um, labor the biggest expense? Yeah, I mean, I would say labor is definitely the biggest expense because, uh, yeah, the, the, the materials can can add up. But uh, when you're talking about redoing a bathroom. I mean, you could, you could redo a bathroom. If you did it on your own, you could probably do it for a thousand bucks, maybe just over a thousand bucks in materials. But if you're factoring in labor, I, I mean, a, a small bathroom remodel is probably going to cost you closer to 4,500. So yeah, the labor is definitely the biggest part. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's kind of one of the things that we, we like John and I like to tell our clients that because it is, it is about labor and it's really helpful if people understand what they're, what they're getting. Um, yeah, awesome. Do you have some tips for people as far as tenants? Like, you know, a lot of people are kind of scared to get in the tenant business um, or the landlording business, but are there any tips you can give on being a landlord? Yeah, I mean, I think that is definitely another one of the main reasons people avoid investing in in uh, a single family home or a multifamily home and getting into real, real estate in general is well, what if these tenants, they're going to be a nightmare and it's just going to eat up all my time and they're going to destroy my property. And I've heard a story from someone and I'm definitely not getting into that. And and so, yeah, I think there's a lot of things that people can do when they're screening a tenant uh, that that will make it a whole lot easier and will almost ensure that you're going to get a good tenant. Uh, And so there are multiple websites that you can choose to kind of uh, check, check your tenant out when it comes to their credit and criminal history. And that's something you definitely have to do. So that mysmartmove.com is the one that I use. I probably just cause I've been using it for forever, but cozy.co is another one. Those are great websites to go to, uh, to, to screen your tenant. Uh, and yeah, a, a, a good credit score, looking at their credit history is, is important. Um, and it's not that I won't rent to someone with a poor credit score. It just means I'm going to ask a lot more questions and I'm probably going to require a bigger down payment. Uh, or a bigger a, a bigger security deposit. So that's one important thing. I think too, calling previous landlords, calling personal references, getting job verification. Uh, you know, look, see, looking even just seeing like, is their car overflowing with trash when they pull up? Are they are they late when they come to meet you? There are all these sorts of things that can that that I'm looking at in in a tenant to see do, do they seem responsible? Are they actually like are they a good employee? Um, and there's all these things that you can tell, like, how did they treat their previous landlord? I mean, I've called so many previous landlords and they're like, I would totally rent this person again. I'm so sad that they're leaving or, you know, other landlords where they kind of hedge a little bit and I can tell in their voice, you know, that they probably wouldn't rent to this person again. And so, yeah, there's all these ways. Uh, another thing too, that I've been fortunate at least is, is, uh, having rental properties in a place where there's just a lot of demand. And I think if you have, rental properties in a place where a lot of people want to live there, it's really, really helpful because then you just have so many more people to pick from. If you're renting in a place where there's just 
not many people looking to live there or, or the demand is just so much lower. You, you might have to be uh, more of a, a beggar as opposed to a chooser. And, and yeah, that makes it tougher. But I would say too, it's worth it to lose a month of rent in order to get the right tenant in there. So don't get someone in there just, just in order to get that first rent payment. Uh, you want to make sure you have the right person in there because it's your property and you you'll pay for it in the end with the potential damage that could uh, that could occur to the property or um, not getting paid rent, which it's worse to have someone in there and try to get them out than uh, make sure you get it's more important to make sure you get the right person in there from the start. Yeah, from the start. Do you use checklists? Are you a checklist guy? Uh, you mean like a walkthrough checklist? Well, kind of. A, I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of back up a little bit. So I use personally use a maintenance checklist. So I have my maintenance list because every month or every three, I do the same thing as you do. It's about every three months we go into the property and we we actually have a checklist. So each stop is a little bit different. We're always doing things like, for example, checking under the sink for leaks and and that kind of thing. So I kind of do a walk through the house and look at those kinds of things. Do you do an actual checklist for that? Do you keep track of like all your stops and what goes on in your homes? No, I don't, but I should. That's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of doing the, uh, you know, I'm doing the walk around and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to keep an eye on everything, but I really, yeah, you're right. I mean, if I had a checklist and I could, that, that'd be super helpful. Well, John, we've been working on that. We're actually working on, on coming up with a kind of a, a either a monthly or a yearly checklist just that, that people can use because there's a lot of issues involved. I mean, I don't know if you've checked, like we, I check water pressure once a year to make sure my uh, pressure relief valve hasn't gone bad. And so that's one thing that I do it usually at the first of the year because it's just when I, it's on my checklist of when to do it. And, and, um, and so we do that. Do you keep a Joel? Do you keep like a law, or do you have like a folder too that might have the ages and or the times of like how old your appliances are and all that kind of stuff? Or do you track that in a spreadsheet? No, I don't do that either. My goodness, sounds like you guys are buttoned up. I need to get my act together. <laughs> well, yeah, I I, I ask. I, I think it comes. I think it comes from you know uh, we're both we're both pilots too in aviation, so it's kind of the checklist thing, and we're uh-huh. kind of. We kind of go through. We kind of go through that, and we've been talking about uh, why not bring that as a you know the house log. I know a lot of people do do uh, log all their stuff, but a lot of people don't. And I think that was one of my questions uh, earlier uh, when I was thinking about it. Was you know when you when you look at the assets inside your home, and you were you were talking about the roof and things like that, but you know the refrigerators and and uh, dishwashers and. HVAC systems and and things like that, you know, and it escapes me. It escapes me. You know, one day rolls into another, and it's like, wait a minute, this thing's now five years old. Where'd that come from? You <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, really, yeah. And and that's kind of that's part of the reason why why I use a checklist is because and and I also one of the other and from the handyman side, from our sides, like someone comes in and they want to just for example, their sink's leaking and they want to change the the gaskets on the sink, right? Um, have you? I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but I'm going to ask you. So you're going to change the gaskets, but there's eight thousand different gaskets when you go down to the to the Home Depot or whatever to get your parts and if you have the actual model number it's really easy right but have you ever had that experience where you go to like fix something you're like oh my god what have i got myself into like you know (laughs) totally even something small like that like even if it's a small issue there's times where you know i'll bring i'll bring in the 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 part and trying to find the matching part or something like that and um that helps but yeah it can no i've totally been in that nightmare scenario And, and it's because too like i wasn't really raised fixing things i wasn't even changing the car oil with my dad very often. He, he would do it occasionally, but it was one of those things where I wasn't, I just wasn't raised working on stuff. And so uh, a lot of the stuff that I've 
learned how to do has been completely self-taught and it's been it's been youtube based i mean youtube's been a complete savior for you know uh people who are want to be handymen men like myself uh, or just need to learn a thing or two right on the fly but but yeah for i if it wasn't for youtube i would i mean this i'd be a terrible landlord i'd be way worse than i am well, we 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 can't, we we talk about YouTube all the time. If there's nothing on YouTube, or there's, if you want to learn how to do something in your house, it's out there on YouTube. I will yeah. suggest watching multiple videos to make sure you're not getting the one guy that does it the way that nobody <laughs> yeah, else right. does it right. right. Oh yeah, there's there's that out there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of bad ones for sure. <laughs> yeah, there's a few bad ones out there. But uh, it's it's you kind of made you made a comment earlier about you've so you've got these older homes and um, you were talking about workmanship like like a remodel workmanship and we've found the same thing can you open up a little about that like somebody does a remodel and they just don't do good work tell me some of the signs on things like that you know just kind of an idea of how you know that I I just want to hear it from your side sure well I'll say this I think it's really important to know other landlords in your area I've got a lot of friends now who own properties and when you have someone that does good work, passing their number off to each other, like I've got this great Rolodex now of people who do great work, of people that I've used before. And so, you know, I've just had, I, I mean, I, I've, you know, hired someone who I met at Home Depot before and it didn't work out that great. <laughs> and so uh, there are, it, it's tough to know who you can hire that's going to do a good job. And oftentimes if you are, going to the internet and get, you know, hiring the company that's first on search results, you're going to pay a lot of money. You're going to pay off the nose. And so finding those people who are that kind of perfect blend of really good workmanship, but also a reasonable price is, is tough. And so I think more than anything, you have to know other landlords in your area. You have to be talking with one another. You have to be asking them about their processes. You have to be asking them about who they're hiring to do stuff. And, you know, it it also just helps you understand kind of where the deals are. Hey, where are you looking to buy more properties now? Uh, That kind of stuff. And so you have to be kind of actively involved in that community. And a couple of my best friends are actively involved, too. And so those conversations help a lot in the processes and in hiring people that are actually going to do good work at a reasonable price. Yeah. Do you have any criteria when you try, when you try to hire a contractor or a, or a handyman, whatever, it doesn't matter, but I mean, a contractor handyman is basically the same thing. Do you, is there any, are there any like specific questions you ask? That's a good question. I, I think most of the time, uh, because it's someone now it's people that I've used before. Uh, and, and at the, and at the beginning, no, I had, I wasn't asking any good questions. And uh, I find I found people that did good work over time and then also just kind of those connections from friends. And so that that helped put my mind at ease, knowing that it was somebody that had done work, good work for for someone that I knew. Uh, But no, I don't really have like a list of questions that I ask potential. I mean, I know enough about the project, I guess, that just talking to them about the project and kind of what their plans are, especially if it's a a bigger one, uh, it, it, it helps me like. Okay, are you going? What are you going to do? Especially like in a house like mine with all original unpainted molding and stuff like that. Oh, wow. You know, I need to know some, down to some of those specifics. Like, okay, how are you going to make this look? You know, like we had a closet build out in our house because there was just this kind of empty space and a door going into our room. We already had like four doors going into our room. It's ridiculous. And so we we turned that uh, small space into like an extra closet. And I, I had to know, like, okay, how are you going to make 
this molding, take the old molding and then, and then get it back looking, you know, looking just like this closet has been here since day one. And so just kind of talking through it with people, knowing the scope of the project that you want to take on and then kind of getting kind of some of their thoughts on it and making sure you know the details that you want there. Because if you don't know the details, they can't read your mind. And so you kind of have to be thoughtful about the projects that you're asking them to do. So communication is key is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah, right. Yeah, we, a lot of people just say, hey, I, I want a closet or, hey, I want a closet filled yeah. out. But they don't know they don't know the specifics and they're expecting and then it, it, you they're expecting uh, that the, the contractor or the handy person is a is a mind reader. And, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you guys have dealt with that. And then they're like, that's not exactly, that's not at all how I envisioned it. It's like, well, <laughs> yeah. you didn't yeah. really tell me how you envisioned it. So. It's actually become part of our process to try yeah. to understand people's vision, right? I mean, it, when we just, when we talk with a client, we, I, I know I do, I know John yeah. does too, yeah. but we're trying to find out exactly what is your vision? What do you, what are you seeing that we're not seeing? Because that, it's funny you mentioned that molding thing. Both John and I have run into that issue on multiple occasions and it's very prevalent in older houses to to try to get the molding to match and 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 i'll tell you you know this already probably joel but it's not easy it is no, not no. an easy process because right. much of that stuff has been out of production for oh i don't know you know when the house yeah. was built you know right. oh man i just had to get a door because there was this one there's this one room to our house that just didn't have a door on it and for a while we just had kind of a curtain over it and i had to get the door that kind of fit the frame <laughs> and that matched the look of the house and fortunately, I live in a neighborhood with all these 1920s homes. And there, but there's this high school kid who, out of the back, of, he what he does is he goes to these homes that are being torn down, and he grabs all this stuff that he knows is, it's going to be valuable to other people in the neighborhood, and he and he sells it on Facebook. Smart so, entrepreneur. <laughs> oh man, what a smart kid! He's making way more than you know his his uh, counterparts his age who are you know working at a fast food restaurant or something like like that I, like I was doing when I was his age. And uh, like much smarter than I was at that age. And so he's making good money selling these these things that he basically gets for cheap or free. And I mean, I had this, but I got the perfect door and it's really hard to find that. So uh, otherwise, you have to you have to kind of like dig through it, you know, uh, Habitat for Humanity restore or um, stuff like that. So it's just it's, it can be hard to find, especially for an older home. Yeah, it can be hard to find the things that you need in order to keep that look yeah continuous throughout the house yeah the look you want it so so that young man sounds like he could possibly be a guest on the howtomoney.com uh, wet, uh <laughs> podcast and or on the handyman pros radio show.com i mean he I sounds like a good guy for both show. of us <laughs> right right yeah i totally mentioned him on the show because i was impressed with his entrepreneurial spirit yeah oh absolutely i i, I you know i'm a big proponent of anytime i can get a young guy to get entrepreneurial and get out there and, and get it done and be proactive it's amazing you know it's a, and, yeah and you know you know because you've been working with Clark for so long and you know the time value of money and all that stuff and when you run that stuff out if a kid's 20 years old and you run it out 60 years or 40 years or 30 whatever it's huge difference but anyway that's a that's a we'll talk about that later um (laughs) (laughs) do you have any do you have any like what's we we always like to get a good story tell us the craziest thing you've ever seen just throw it out there oh gosh uh, when it comes to tenants and stuff like that, you tell a story, either a rehab project or a tenant or, or something just kind of in the, in the vein, you know, honestly, probably the craziest, the, the thing that was hardest for me ever as a landlord was when I was dealing with tenants who had signed a lease and then they decided a few months in, they didn't want to be there. And they tried to find every single excuse and everything wrong with the house in order to make their case. And Part of the problem was that they were from another country where landlord tenant laws are completely different. And they're so much more tenant friendly 
where this couple was from. And, uh, and so they just thought that they could get out of the house on a whim, however they wanted to. And so, yeah, I'm a pretty nice fella. I try to be kind, a kind landlord. And I think there are a lot of, uh, it, it saddens me when I hear stories of unkind landlords out there because I think landlords should, should treat their tenants with respect. And I try to do that. And, uh, and so, yeah, it was a really difficult situation because it can be hard not to get emotionally caught up in it, especially when it's your property and you feel like you have taken good care of it. So that was probably the hardest landlord situation for me to take care of. You know, eventually, you know, I, I it just it just made sense for me to try to work with them uh, to, to get them out of the house um, because they just were really, really unhappy there. And I knew I could rent it out pretty easily to someone else. Um, I kept a security deposit, <laughs> you know, yeah, of because, course, because yeah. there was a there was a month, you know, where, where there was a vacancy and I, I, you know, ended up becoming almost whole. I took a small loss. But at some point you have to decide what what's worth it for your mental health in situations like that and and for them and stuff. And so it was a really difficult situation. I felt like I had this kind of uh, these butterflies in my stomach for a month while I was dealing with them and trying to do the right thing by them and for my home and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I think that. For me, it's the emotional relational part of it that can be the hardest. Yeah, it, it's tough. It's tough to watch somebody. It's you, you do have to you have to mentally divorce yourself, is what it is. Um, just a, a quick tip. So you're in Georgia, so and so am I, and, and my properties are here in Georgia. There's a thing called the Georgia Landlord Tenant Handbook. I think most states yes. have it. Um, I read actually, the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've read the whole thing. I actually give it to my tenants, and I, I make sure we go over the lease page by page, and they sign every page in my case. So you know, and yeah. I make sure that when we actually do that it's back on that checklist i have a checklist and we go through it it's like do you understand everything on this and and you know and, and it's the same thing i i like you joel i'm a big proponent of being a landlord I, I am not a slumlord and i will not be a slumlord i value my tenants i want my tenants to have a great place to live and i want them to have a great experience um but at the same time if they come in with some of these you know preconceived notions that you know whatever you want to call it it gets kind of crazy so we we like to make sure they understand exactly what they're looking at what they're signing on you know that's that's my tip for that one yeah um, if you can educate them while you're signing the lease that's really helpful and i agree yeah, make them sign every, uh, initial at minimum every page of the lease so that and, and then and then have a question and answer time hey was there anything you didn't understand about that are there any questions you have i think that's really really important so so too that they know that you're not just trying to get them to sign the lease and move in and and, and as quickly as possible you really you want to look after them too and you want to help them understand that you're looking out for them. Yeah, it's a partnership, right? Yeah, I mean, for sure. It's, it's really a partnership. It's it's just, it's like hiring, it's really gauging people. It's like hiring uh, contractors or anything. It's about personal relationships and that's really, really critical. Um, so we're, we're getting close to the end of our time. Is there a single tip? You know, our goal here at the Handyman Pros Radio Show is to help our listeners save time, money, and aggravation. Is there one tip you could give out that would be really valuable to our to our listeners? So I think for me, because the hardest part for me of being a landlord is that relational emotional element. I had to funnel every, sing, every single request that a tenant has through email. And for a while I would give out my phone number and that was just, then people would text me, they would call me. And that was really hard because I always felt the need to immediately respond. And there's something about email that you feel like you have 24 or 48 hours to respond. And so I didn't feel like it was this urgent crisis, even if there was you know, something big happening at the property. And so, yeah, I would say to come up with a system of how your tenants can contact you and kind of let them know that this is how you respond, how you reply, because it helps for them to know on the front hand. 
on, on the front end. And then it also helps for you to have a system so that, you know what, this is the only way I'm going to respond. Uh, and, and that's been really helpful for me because, yeah, you know, like I said, it's just when, when you're getting a text at 830 at night, uh, it's hard to go to bed sometimes. It makes you, th- you're starting to think about how you respond, how you fix the issue. And I'd rather get the email and be able to check it in the morning or, you know, even 48 hours later. So yeah, I think setting up a system like that for me, more than anything, it's not, it's, it's not the money. It's that's the aggravation and time factor. Yep. And I think that's a fantastic tip. That's actually one that uh, I use myself. Um, and it leads us to our final question, which is tell us more and how can people get a hold of you? And, you know, we'll publish your phone number out there and your email address and we'll put your personal address. No, I'm just kidding. But, yeah, but tell people more. Tell, give, tell people a little bit about howtomoney.com and also tell them how they can get a hold of you. Sure. Yeah. So howtomoney.com is, is uh, the website behind the podcast. Uh, we try to write helpful money articles there, but the podcast is our main thing. And it's me and my best buddy, Matt. Uh, and we just, we care a lot. We talk a lot about money. Uh, about two and a half years ago, we got together and we said, what do we, what do we do when we get together? Well, we have a beer and we talk about money. And so that's what we do on the show. We drink a beer every episode and we talk about a different money issue. Uh, we answer uh, listener questions on some episodes. We have great interviews with people that have you know mastered uh, mastered their money and so it's really fun to create and, and more than anything the the vibe the community that's kind of encompassed the show the people that listen has been really cool to see develop so yeah you can find out more at howtomoney.com or you can just type how to money in the search bar uh, of whatever podcast app you use and find find the show there outstanding john any further questions I I don't I I I don't uh, folks I I'll tell you that, uh, that I've really enjoyed this Joel uh, it was a great uh, great interview I um, I really thank you for uh, sharing your your time here uh, with uh, with Larry and myself this morning I learned uh, I learned a lot all right thanks Joel appreciate it yeah I appreciate you guys having me thanks so much. I want to thank Joel for being on the show that was a great interview John what were some of the key takeaways. Well, you know, some of the takeaways that I, I, uh, you know, brought uh, uh, with me was the, you know, I think there was really three of them. One was uh, that he had a process, uh, which is really important. That every, uh, every, he spent about a day, I guess he said, every three months just uh, to go around and 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 do some maintenance on uh, each one of his uh, each one of his properties. So, the other one was that you know he budget he budgeted for yearly maintenance. Which is uh, really something I would I'm not that good at doing, uh, but uh, I think that's very smart. And I think what did he say, Larry? One percent of the purchase price of the house. I I think he I yep. think he mentioned that's exactly what he said. So he yeah. used the example of a hundred and twenty thousand dollar house, and he would put twelve hundred dollars a year away for maintenance. Yeah, and and then the last thing I took away was learn how to do this stuff yourself. You know, when you're living in a house, um, you know, kind of dive right in and and uh, st- and start learning how to do it. Yes, and those were the those were great takeaways. That's all the things that I pulled off too. He, we did discuss a little bit about doing the process about the maintenance. He he said in the rental houses it's every three months, and we talked about what do you do in, during your at your own house. And he just said, "Well, I'm in my house, so I tend to fix things as I go." And I tend mm-hmm. to concur with that sure. attitude because I mean, if I see something's loose or something needs maintenance, I basically do it. Um, we do budget every year for ours, both on the rental and for the homeowner side. We 
know we're going to, you know, and we put things into project plan for ourselves. So um, I really like the fact that he did 1% on the purchase price. And, and, it, and it varies. It varies on the age of the house and things like that, but it's really great. And then learning, of course, we're big do-it-yourselfers. We believe that people should learn how to do basic maintenance yourself. We're not talking about, you know, fixing code electrical or anything like that. But gosh, you know, you can tighten up outlets yourself. You can go in and change the filters on the HVAC system. You don't need to pay for that. You know, you can you can do all kinds of things yourself. And we, we publish all that stuff out there, John. We put a lot of those basic maintenance tips are on our blog, which is on our website at handymanprosradioshow.com, um, on all those basic maintenance things that you need to do. So what else do we get? Do we get any other takeaways out of this one? I think that's. I think those are the three main ones that that uh, that I walked away with, and uh, I think you know that was a lot of discipline on on his part, and I think you know that uh, our little tagline of saving uh, time, money, and aggravation, I think that goes a long way to uh, you know to do that. Well. That's that's my takeaways as well. Well, we've hoped you enjoyed this episode of the Handyman Pros Radio Show. John, I see a spaceship and it's landed. That's right. And what do you do? Do, do you, you look it? at it or do that's you right. take it apart? That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've enjoyed this podcast and have derived some value from it, here's four things you can do. One, tell your friends about this podcast. Two, hit subscribe on your podcast player. While you're there, leave us a review. Three, subscribe to our newsletter by going to handymanprosradioshow.com and click on the subscribe button. We'll inform you of upcoming events, shows, and give you actionable tips for maintaining your home and property. And four, send us an email with your questions to questions at handymanprosradioshow.com. That's handymanprosradioshow.com. That's our show for this week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on the Handyman Pros Radio Show. 